Long past the hour for quitting labour, amid the smoke-filled haze of the south gate, the after-lodge crew continues to linger in the rubbish of the temple, under the watchful eyes of right-worshipful Grand Censor Bob. Not recognised nor endorsed by any grand or subordinate lodge of regular masons, irregular masons, co-masons, Canadian masons, or internet wannabe masons, they banter on as always. Puffing cigars, drinking stale coffee, making terrible jokes, studying agency law, spreading the intemperance and excesses of digital masonry, and generally disappointing all seven of their podcast subscribers. Do yourself a favour and stop listening now. Only trolls and masochists dare to eavesdrop upon this After Lodge banter. Welcome, brothers, to another episode of the After Lodge podcast. This is After Lodge Harlan, joined as always by my partner in crime, domestic partner, life partner. <laughs> domestic crime. Yeah, whatever. Uh, worshipless <laughs> producer Bruce. Good evening, everybody. We have, uh, as producer Marshall is with us this evening because Bruce could always use an extra set of hands. Always. <laughs> and, uh, we, we don't have, uh, Sir John or Scotty from the block or Big Jeff. Um, I think part of it is because our special guest for the evening, uh, brother Matt Gallagher. Say hello, Matt. Hello. All right. I'll get back to you in a minute. Let me finish my bad joke. Part of the, um, reason they, probably aren't here is uh tonight we're going to be talking about a book that we were ostensibly supposed to have read and <clears throat> know who the students are in your little club based on who shows up to the book review so <laughs> uh, brother matt also yes. known as longtime friend and fan of the show tiki jack tiki jack long time like let's let's address that for a second he's yeah. he's, he's one of the ogs yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that. Or I ORs? I think we've got comments of yours on Reddit going back to, like, episode one. So. Damn it, guys. I, I was trying to be professional. You just outed me as an old jackass. <laughs> I'm trying been, to sell books here. It's been almost seven years, man. What's wrong with you? Right. You're still um, here, too, man. I noticed I'm not on your co-host page. I co-hosted one episode. Yeah, well, that was the guest That's page. That's true. Before talking about in the pre-show i'm only i've only got all of our guests cataloged up through like episode 120 or so i think i hold the distinction as the very first person to let the audience down after jason uh yeah you, you did you were oh yes yes uh brother matt was the first guest when we started the after lodge road show uh, the very first episode we did with the online platform oh yeah yep yep it's been that long ago is that, is that, the platform Still using to this up day. here in the After Lodge podcast, uh, Northern Jurisdiction. So. Uh, let me see here. Let me, I believe it was, yes, episode 139 for our listeners uh, at AfterLodge.com. If you want to see uh, how Brother Tiki may have changed since uh, September 14th, 2016. It, it, it's wholeheartedly, Harlan. That is, as awesome as that show was, and I remember it, like mostly he just had kind of smart-ass comments. I'm reading this book. There's some good stuff in here. I think mostly my cat was just meowing a lot, as I recall. Oh, well, is that what it was? And there was the Tiki Bar. I was at a Tiki Bar. I, I believe I'm, it's not just a pretty name, you know? Yeah, yeah. How's the how's the Tiki Bar going? The Tiki Bar after that, that got much, much better. 
uh, and I really went all out one week. I'm like the kind of guy who just who just procrastinates and doesn't do anything for years and years and years. And then just one week, I just go into hyper focus, and I just I just did that. And then about a year later, we had a basement flood, and the whole thing got oh no super destroyed. Well, like the carpet. I mean, I I still haven't. I could put it all back, but now at this point, I'm like God. I'm just I'm just so mature right now. Why do I want a tiki bar in my basement? <laughs> I'm not you know, I, I, putting I, it back. My I wife is think... like, "You got to put the bar back," and I'm like, "You don't even like tiki bars." Do 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 you have tiki stuff like uh, uh, around the whole house, or was that just a specific no, that, bar that thing? Just, that's where I that's where I condensed it all into that place. It was it was pretty nice. I'll send you pictures I, sometime. I didn't know how far your obsession went. Uh, it was something that I'd always wanted to do as, as from my, as a as a young lad, <laughs> and uh, and then by the time I, I gathered up enough everything to do it. I, just didn't want to do it that much anymore. So I get, yeah, I get that. You know, we change. Yeah. And grow. Grow. Um Yeah, so this book. Book is called The Brickyard. The Brickyard. Welcome to the Brickyard, technically, but I'm uh, probably just gonna ah. shorten it to the Brickyard at some point when I release it as part of a box set, maybe. But um yeah. Welcome to the Brickyard. It's a practical Freemasonry primer. It's uh it uh, I think uh, John actually he 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 says he, he says he would use it as an intro to uh, Freemasonry for dummies. So that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, and a, a a good primer it is. It's written I guess primarily for the person who's looking to join, but maybe also for the person who recently joined. It's it's really designed. Uh, uh, for lodges to have several of them, it's not as a yeah. You know, I'd wanted to maybe strip it down into its you know cheapest form, but essentially it is already in its cheapest form thanks to that's what that's what self publishing can do. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really designed for lodges to have a stack of them. I mean, maybe not give them out at a fair like a by the crate or anything like a pamphlet. But uh, if you get someone who's uh, who's really interested or a good friend and everything. And you're just too lazy to answer any of his questions. Uh, this answers probably every question a Mason could have in a really humorous way that's really conversational. Um, it even gives you ammo for fighting off your wife and, <laughs> and, uh, and people who, uh, who run into you and was like, ah, oh, Freemasonism, misogynistic organization. It's like, yeah, well, there's a chapter on that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, and that was what got me about the book was the conversational. You know, there's there's so many of these books that try to match the kind of maybe not archaic but old language of masonry just because, I don't know, they want to sound highfalutin or whatever. And, and I don't know, I, I feel like that language belongs more for ritual and, and, and lectures and that kind of thing. And being able to just read a book like you're talking to somebody helps a lot. And and I absolutely can write like that. I just have never wanted to. It's you know, it's not fun for me, and and I don't it's think not it's fun for anybody. It's not fun for anybody, just, despite how many people still do it. I cannot get through most Masonic books. I, I even when I like, I get them on Audible now because I just follow the reading, and I just I, I'm like half a chapter in, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> so I you know I learn kind of with. Uh, Conversational methods, Socratic methods, things like that. That's how I learned everything, and and then I just spin Socratic it. Methods for stuff. Say again. So the Socratic method is for bastards. 
that's one thing I liked about the book is the fact that I mean it had a lot of you know like conversation pieces in it, and, uh, especially the you know the uh, the general responses you can give for certain questions. Uh, yes. Yes, I uh, especially appreciated. So I have my uh, highlighted line right right at the beginning. Uh, and you're gonna you're gonna hold up to the camera so anyone can see it, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yes. Well, so we're still not a video show yet, but uh, here's someone's got to be watching the brickyard. Um, Brother Matt doesn't doesn't do the big lofty intro and um, you know background and so on. I mean. I was a little, was a little surprised that at first. I mean, you just kind of cut straight to the meat and potatoes, um, which I like, especially for a book to hand to a prospective mason or a new mason. Uh, you know, none of the fifty pages of centuries of possibly true or not true backstory. Just uh, here it is. Yeah, I made up my own backstory to Freemasonry, which is on my, which is a blog post on my website, practicalfreemasonry.com, which I think is probably holds as much water as any of the other ones. So, it's and it's that's kind of the weird thing about Freemasonry. It's kind of like the dirty little Masonic secrets, the secret that we're all been, uh, uh, you know, keeping is that a lot of this stuff is frankly kind of made up, <laughs> and it's sad that it is maybe, but or I wouldn't say made up, but derived from very intelligent people it's called an allegory matt and the meaning has been lost so we've just sort of pieced it back together and um and i embrace that you know because that's the thing about the concept of practical freemasonry and everything i do the the, the next book i have coming out is my flagship book literally just called practical freemasonry which is a, a rundown of all the symbolism in uh, in the Blue Lodge, all the main the working tools, and giving people ways to uh, to look at them differently than they have been taught, and how specifically to to directly apply them to their life by giving people actionable uh, advice. I, that's what I've never liked about a lot of Masonic education is that it's not actionable. You know, they'll, they'll they'll give you the the spiel on on what this or that means, but uh, okay, then what? Well, no one really knows, you know. And, and then they get into the esoterics, which is all like you know, you know, the sun and Apollo and phalluses and stuff. And I'm like, wait, what? Did I miss something here? I went from, you know, manage my time well to something i can't even wrap my head around is there at any point alchemy makes me feel yeah and i got i got no problem with alchemy honestly i i've warmed up to it in the last several years i don't either but like like you said there's there there's practical lessons yeah and there's i don't know the, the, what, every, what? every symbol i think we have can be understood on three levels the 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 um the first one is just um axiomatic where it's just like Here's a little good advice for to, you know to take away. You know, uh, this 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 thing means like we're all we're all on the level. We're all equal. You know, because we're all gonna die, and we're all gonna die the same. Okay, great. And and then there's like really esoteric uh, versions of a lot of these symbols, but there's not very much on what they mean. 
I won't delve too deep into that because, again, that's in a book I'm not promoting currently. But this one is is the start of getting people to think that way, getting people to and, – and I had a review recently, and they were like, you know, it's it's certainly the audience is more for non-Masons. And, and yes, but I also think that every Mason needs to just sort of look at it again. Uh, there's – Well, there's a, there's a couple of inside jokes, if you will, that <laughs> – non-masons will will mess you know what if you read the book and you don't get a joke it's more incentive to join because it's probably hilarious it's definitely hilarious and i'm not even going to tell them which one i'm talking about or it's that the fraternity sucks away your sense of humor and then you'll find it hilarious (laughs) (laughs) and and you know and and if you if you're too stuffy for the book that's fine you know teach their own uh believe me there's plenty of stuffy freemasonry education books so I, uh, that's why i like it man it's it, it's not stuffy it's it's a brisk read it's uh like right at 60 ish pages yeah about 68 pages something like that um, um and you know and there there's a lot of mental preparation that needs to go into applying for a lodge and it's it's not just contact the secretary and see, you know, when's a good night to visit. You certainly want to do that, but you also want to do things like checking your ego at the door. That's the first thing you really have to learn is, is doing things like that. Um, got to worry about you. trust and listening. And these are, these are things that if you haven't learned them coming in, which you, it's not a requirement, but it's going to probably tack on five or six years onto your, onto your journey. Uh, because these are just, basic skills that a lot of Freemasons haven't learned yet and they're getting there. Well, and, and plus once you, once you pick a lodge and you join it, like it's, it's too late. There's a, a phenomenal piece of advice that, that you kind of drove home in the book about go go to multiple lodges, try every lodge, talk to people in all the lodges as far of a range as you're willing to travel. And I think that's crucial because as I've said on this show many times before, there's 20 lodges closer to me than the one that Harlan, that, that, that we all belong to. Yeah. And, absolutely. you know, if I had joined any of those, I, I wouldn't be here today. You know, and I felt my first lodge, I, I, I hit a home run right out of the park visiting. And it was, it was exactly what I, I wanted that I didn't even think was an option, which was a group of uh, diverse, but fairly young people who were into, goofy philosophy uh i because one of my biggest fears joining was that it was just going to be an old man coffee club and i didn't relate well to elderly people i'm i was frankly a little bit scared of them because i i had an irrational fear of getting old myself you know so it was that was a hard thing to get around so to find a lodge that had a bunch of young people that was really interesting, uh, you know, and I've grown up with a lot of them and, and then, but tastes change too, as you get older and, you know, I've found other places too. Um, but uh, I remember, I distinctly remember one of, one of the members that we brought in um, uh, about six or so years ago, he did this exact thing. He, he visited tons of different lodges and yeah, some were very, very welcoming and some were very not welcoming. Uh, and if he didn't do that, he probably would have just joined the first one he came to and probably been disappointed. Uh, in, in the end, he found a home with us. Though strangely enough, a few years later, he was like, uh, you know, my tastes have changed. And he, and he 
he went to another place that he thought was a better fit for him, and that's fine. I, I'm, I'm not a personally a big fan of the concept that a lodge has to be like 800 years old and can never shut down. You know, we shut down lodges all the time, and it's always sad to see a lodge go. But um, my personal opinion is that I think of like actual operative masons. You don't stay on a, a work site forever. You know, you, you, you get your charter to work. You go there to do a specific task. When you accomplish it, you don't fail. No one said you failed. You built a giant cathedral. And then you move on. And I think Freemasonry has to be more like that. We got plenty of numbers in the, in the English numeric system. Uh, we can keep going up. So I'm a big fan of things like affinity lodges and, and things like that. Um, and it's not to say that lodges aren't sacred or that I don't want to keep mine, you know, functioning forever. I keep, but I want to keep it functioning as long as it is serving its purpose. As long as it is not, as we lovingly refer to on the show, as a zombie lodge. Yeah, and, and once it becomes that, you know, people think, well, how can we save it? And Kill it. Sometimes that is the best way to go, and it's sad. Um, if you can save it, certainly you can, but sometimes there is a point of no return. Um, but uh, it's only really sad when there's nothing that sort of slides in to take its place in the community. Like, we lose a lot of uh, country lodges, and they go away, and, and, and that's true at that point. They're done, you know, so... We have uh, quite a few small towns in our jurisdiction that the lodge closed, you know, quite some time ago, and well, nothing ever replaced it. Um, no other lodge came back, and then you have guys who all live in that town and drive an hour away in different directions <laughs> to go to other lodges. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, you never know what uh, what need will need to be served. Um, places develop differently. Places change. I remember uh, a good friend, uh, Nicker Buddy, Nick Johnson, uh, he, he was very excited when he joined, um, what was it, uh, Castle Island Lodge. It was the Internet Lodge up in Canada. Oh, was, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then when every lodge on Earth shut down a few months ago, I'm like, well, Nick's got to be like laughing last year because he still gets to go to meetings probably, you know. So, well, the rest of us are just like hoping that uh, that we don't uh, take too big of a hit from it because people are used to if you're staying home, you're used to staying home, you know. So it's it's uh, I'm, I, I dearly hope that every lodge had a had a great comeback or was having one. So, cause it, it sucks if you're, if you're on the downturn and, and then this happened. Well, I think uh, when we, when uh, Holly and I joined right about the same time, you know, within the same few months. And uh, I think we just got lucky because it was our home lodge in our hometown and I don't know if we got lucky or if we were part of making it what it turned out to be. And I, I don't know if it was on its way before we got there or what. I think it was just a perfect storm of, of uh, all people yeah. all getting to the lodge at the same time. And if the people are motivated enough, you, you, you drive more like-minded people to join. It doesn't take more than a few people, yeah, but it does take more than one. Our lodge is more than one transition state right around the time we all started joining 
uh, it was healthy or had been healthy and the, still had that group of, of the old guys who sincerely loved their lodge and, uh, you know, had, had something to pass on to us. And, and we came at just the right time for, for it to work out. Um, it, well, for the people who've been there, uh, as you've seen, there's a large demographic of guys we never see who are quite vocal about their displeasure with the path that we've taken. Um, mostly trying to steer away from pancake breakfasts and... Uh, Sunday morning prayer services and more toward other things. Basically what Harlan's saying is when he and Marshall joined the median age of the lodge dropped 10 years. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, my, my current lodge had a really similar story. My current lodge is great lodge called Arcana 187 in Northeast Minneapolis here. And um, when I had joined my, my, my previous, my mother lodge, um, Arcana was actually the first lodge I had visited as a master mason, and there was a, there was a few young guys, um, there was a few old guys. It was very sparsely attended. Uh, I remember uh, I was I was sitting on the sidelines and I glanced over to the junior warden and he was like scrolling through his his uh, his phone and I'm like, well, <laughs> this lodge is terrible. And, and I left and I didn't really come back um, until we had to change buildings. And, and over the course of 10 years, I had seen a lot of, for, for, a lot of, for a lot of legitimate reasons and some kind of sad reasons, I had seen a lot of the, the energy leave my own mother lodge. Mm -hmm. and, and this lodge, which was, I mean, it was in a, it was in a building it's in again. It's in the, the outskirts of Minneapolis, and uh, and when and I my secretary and his two friends like joined up uh, as young guys like, hey, let's do this thing, and it was super fun. And then they and they got there, and then a bunch of the people in the lodge who were who had been running, it was just rotating the seats and, and keeping everything warm. Were like, oh, great, young people here have a lodge and have a building to run. We're gonna we're gonna you know we we're gonna peace out. Uh, and so these young guys suddenly were running essentially a nonprofit charity uh, with a rather expensive building, and and there were still some great guys in that lodge get <laughs> alive, but they I watched them turn that lodge around from a gnat's wing until shutting up its doors and selling off the building to becoming now I think one of the most vibrant lodges in the entire state. And so you can certainly turn around a lodge, and you do need a perfect storm of the right personalities to do that. And uh, personalities that you need to have, and, and personalities, frankly, that you need to sort of put a lid on. And so it can happen. It's just not easy. Uh, so I was excited to see that, and I wanted to be a part of it. And <laughs> I feel like I'm part of an it, organization it, on the way up, you know? So, it takes uh, a little luck, and it takes a little persistence. I think a lot of times it just takes enough old guys who know how to do the ritual hanging on long enough to get a little bit of new blood in. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of luck and a lot of persistence at, at my current lodge and, and to watch it flourish into something that's really genuinely valued in the community and by its brothers 
it's just an amazing thing to see. And uh, and I, I want everybody who comes to Masonry to have at least decent shot at an experience like this. So that's why I, I wrote this book and and why I you know working on some of the other things I do uh, because this gives you I think a much better chance of finding that experience. It's all about the experience for the brother, really, when it comes down to it. Until they become a part of something bigger, and then then it's about the launch. I like that. Yep, I do too. I uh, wanted to highlight um, your your call out in. I believe is this. Well, I guess if if there was one suggestion I could make, it would be to uh, number the chapters. Um, but it looks like the second chapter. Um, <laughs> Uh, you you kind of go head on into the uh, more recurrent of late issue about women in masonry. And for the first time I've seen in print from a, I'm going to call you a regular Masonic source, probably much to the chagrin of your Grand Lodge. Um, <laughs> the first time I've seen that particular response, which has been echoed on this show countless times uh, to the question of women in Freemasonry. And, and you just cut right to it with uh, nothing says they can't. And, and I, I appreciated that myself. It's, it's, um, I loved the bit about the oxytocin. He, he, oh, he, he talks yeah. about how men and women produce it differently and, and, and how, uh, yeah, well, just with it, with, with, within their own groups more basically. Yeah, men and women are different, and you know, and I'm no authority on, on Jordan Peterson, though my wife is. Uh, so <laughs> I've had to listen to an awful lot of stuff about oxytocin. So much stuff about oxytocin. <laughs> uh, just so much stuff. You did um, use the word a few times. Yeah. So, um, but you know, and I did a lot of research on it, uh, and yeah, men and women regenerate it differently. And, and for the people who don't know, oxytocin is the chemical that tends to bond people together as part of groups. It's the thing that it's that it's that thing that is produced by the mystic tie. It's the thing that's produced by the brotherly love. That's what it is. And uh, men and women produce in different amounts. Uh, men produce much less than women, and we produce it in many different ways. Men often produce it after sex, which is not really a great option at large. Uh, you know, women you. produce it by sharing a cheesecake. You know, um, women do things like, uh, like they have a third option from the fight or flight that we don't have, which is I can forget what the clever term is, but essentially they just get together and hang out. Um, and and oxytocin does tend to affect men differently. It, it can make us closer, but it can make us more competitive. Uh, so these things are different. So that is why. Uh, again, you, you do find lodges that are mixed lodges, um, but why it's not going to be great for everybody, because we do tend to compete over women and over everything. For really. sure. <laughs> and more so when the women are around. And even if like we have nothing to gain, like I, I act different if there's, womenly, if, if there's women there or not, and that's got nothing to do with any specific bond between me and that person. It's just no, that that I don't know. Different. Well, and that that answer has been bantered about uh, before. Unfortunately, usually the person asking this question is a woman, and if you've mm -hmm. ever tried to explain what Matt right. just said to a woman, 
most of the time you just get met with this blank stare because at least women in my own social circles refuse to believe that men think well the way that we do um i'll be honest he, he gives a pretty good explanation in this book i'd be more than happy to point those women to his book yeah, yeah. it's uh, um i was highlighting the answer of why can't women be freemasons and the the proper answer these days should be well who says you can't you're just you're knocking on the wrong building uh there's a different one down the street yeah that's the best answer i can give i would recommend anyone and i know it sticks in the craw of a lot of masons but the answer is yeah you can you can't be in my lodge because that's you know my lodge has specific requirements that uh and a specific purpose um but they do exist they don't exist in spades you know the co-masonic and and women only lodges are rare um that's not my you know harlan you're actually uh, I, don't, I don't i might have even mentioned this in the book but uh, i think you had one of the best lines that i had ever heard from that and i learned a lot from it and i remember some many years ago i was proposing i i, I had found this group called i think women of today or something like that and it sounded kind of cool um maybe like a you know like just, it's a women's rotary almost or something like that and i was like we should really do our best to support this and and do what we can and and, and you just came in and was like yeah that's not my responsibility to make sure women have a good fraternal experience and i'm like huh. it's yeah. it's well and it's it's patronizing as well like if, if i appreciated the support that the grand lodge of england gave to the women only crafts in the united kingdom like you know some some material support in terms of ritual and recognition and stuff but not not like we're gonna show you how to do this or we're gonna hold your hand and build it for you because then then it's not their thing like it's mm -hmm. well you have this because your men gave it to you and then it becomes very eastern star-esque in the you can't have meetings without a without a mason with a penis present yeah yeah and um, yeah I, I'm not a woman. I don't know how women think most of the time. You could ask my wife. I'm really bad at guessing it. But if it were me, I I wouldn't want that. Like, what? I don't need your handouts. If I if I'm gonna be a, a woman mason, I want to be with women mason who did our own thing because that's what we wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, there's there's nothing inherently masculine about the the doctrines of the craft. It's only the organization of the craft as we know it that's inherently masculine. Yeah. Uh, you know, a great deal of masonry is philosophy. Philosophy belongs to everybody. Right. Like, the next book is is the philosophy of the working tools. Uh, it's not clandestine, or it's not, um, sorry, it's not Masonic secret in my state to discuss the working tools. Uh, it might be in yours. I don't know. <laughs> if it is, don't buy the book, I suppose. Um, but you know, it, for me, state clandestines just the guy in charge doesn't like what you said but. Yeah, yeah and i actually get a lot of great support from my grand lodge so um which we can talk about actually it was kind of cool but um but i i i, I took my lead from the from the grand lodge of england when they essentially said that clandestine is fake and you know unrecognized is just or irregular is just too different for Good times 
And that's fine with me. That clears it up for me. Uh, it's not a universal definition. And like I said, there's no end of arguments you can find online, uh, people tearing each other up about it. Uh, I think that if you're involved in an argument like that, you're already doing everything wrong. You know, uh, the, the, the real truth is, is that all Masonic lodges, all, least, you know, all ones that aren't utterly fake and pyramid schemes, uh, they derive their authority from time immemorial lodges. And we call them time immemorial lodges because no one kept records. And they didn't need a lot of bona fides to start back then. You know, they just sort of, it was a filtration process and they were the best ones. And then they, and then they let other people, they gave other people, you know, charters to, to meet on their own. And the co-Masons, women, uh, the, the, the women, I forget what they're all called, the Ladroid Humane and, and, and women's masonry or in Freemasonry. It's just, they all derive their charters from legitimate organizations. Maybe we don't recognize them anymore, but we can't take away that they were legitimate and they have as much bona fides as we do. We do, we're just better at organizing, and men often are. Uh, it's just sort of like systems. Uh, but uh, I think we just have to admit that uh, we don't own it. They are Freemasons. They're just different, you know? It's, it's the same argument that we were having about uh, the most worshipful Prince Hall Grand Lodges decades ago was, you know, just, just because their lineage isn't the same as yours doesn't make them like, well, you know, they're not fake, right? They're not, they're not some, some offshoot that somebody just started one day. They have a legitimate lineage and you should respect that. Uh, and that sounded radical to say, you know, 40 years ago. Now it's, well, now it's the mainstream opinion amongst the conference of U.S. Grandmasters. Um, so I suspect that the, co-masonry and women-only lodges, you know, that, that opinion will eventually become mainstream down the road of, you know, look, we don't have to recognize them, but we're not going to tell them that they're a scam or phony or some other such thing. There's a, there's a lot of challenging questions that Grand Lodges across the world are going to have to answer in the next couple decades and there's no getting around it they're going to have to make choices and they're not all going to be the same choices and they're, they're going to hammer it out about all sorts of things um and you know that's just well let them do it they they, they decided to be grand officers so i guess that's their job you know in the meantime we can only tell our own grand officers what we think about things and keep the debate going but i think we have to respect people any we have to respect anybody who decides they want to better themselves and if they want to do it through ancient symbolism great you know i i i i'm i'm kind of jealous of some of the some of the these lodges i mean i've never been to one but i've I, i've i've seen interviews with people who run them and everything i'll tell you one thing if you if you're part of a a Masonic lodge or a woman only lodge you didn't join to serve pancakes at the local uh at the local state right. fair Right. You, know, you went there to, to to do Freemasonry, and that's more than a lot of uh, you know regular lodges can say. So, hmm. I'm not going to join. But, you know. <laughs> Just 
throwing that out there. Well, I'm not going to be a dick about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good chapter. The one on clandestine Freemasonry is good, too. Um, is there oh, anything specific in the book you wanted to talk about? Uh Nothing specific. It's just, uh, you know, I'd certainly like to always hear what other people think about it and what they picked out was the best thing. Um, I, one thing this book covers that I, I was proud to cover, and I, I derive this from my own experience, is what happens when you're rejected, um, which no one ever really covers. Yeah. And, you know, on, on a technical level, your Grand Lodge is going to have rules for, you know, where you can, you can reapply and six months or a year or whatever it's going to be, but it's always going to be a mark on your thing. And I, I have been rejected. I think, I think I was the old, uh, you know, at this point, I don't know if I can talk about them and everything, but rest assured I have, I have uh, been rejected my smile and face from, from Masonic bodies by my own lodge. Honestly, it's, it's, and it sucks. There's nothing worse than that. You know, that doesn't involve bleeding, probably. Uh, Is that your own lodge? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was, uh, you, you, know how, you know how that uh, traditional line goes? Yeah. It doesn't always go that way. So. Okay. Uh, and sometimes, uh, sometimes that happens. And, and you, you have to turn it into a learning experience. It's like, what am I putting out there that's making this? And in my case, I don't think it was necessarily everything I was putting out there, but what was me, I had to change. And, uh, and that's just, you know, everything comes with ups and downs. And, and I, I, I say this about Freemasonry, you know, when people ask, you know, is, um, people ask about, you know, it, can it be bad? You know, what's the downside? And I'm like, it, it only it only hurts as much as it does because it drops you from such a, a great height. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everybody gets rejected from something, but uh, but when when you when you when you're surrounded by brotherhood, and then then you know you get rejected by people who never really came to you and talked to you about anything. Um, wow, that's yeah. not fun. No, like you said it's a. You know, and, uh, and, and I do sometimes ask, well, what right do I have to be a Masonic educator when I've gotten, you know, when I, I have some L's in my columns here and everything? And that's what it takes to make you qualified. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's. Uh, I know a couple Masons who've never received an L that I would not want to have a single conversation with. Uh, and I guess in the end, I wrote the dang book, you know, and, and the perfect Mason didn't. Uh, so there you go. Well, I don't believe there's any such thing as a perfect Mason, first off. So you're, you're good, man. That is another, you know, actually, I, I might disagree with you there. I, I, uh, a couple of years ago, I went to a, a funeral of one of our brothers who, where the last thing we had heard from them was saying he's going into a, uh, He's going in for surgery, and he'll finally feel like, you know, it, he was so excited because he was getting an operation to fix something that he never really talked about, but that apparently dragged him down so much that um, 
that he was excited for for all of his friends and brothers to meet the real him yeah. after the surgery. Hmm. And that was a great thing. We we went to bed seeing that on Facebook, and and then woke up to a text or a post saying that he didn't pull through, um, which was the worst thing ever. And it and I, I like I said I, I got that creepy thing about death. It was I, I this it was the first Masonic funeral I I had ever been to, and you know you hear about a lot of funerals that are sparsely attended. Wow. And but uh, this was not. Everybody was there, not just from Minnesota Freemasonry, but from his other hobbies and organizations. It was huge, and everybody loved this guy, and he ticked every box. You know, when I was when I was a master of my lodge, I, I gave away you know those little boxes you get with the working tools in them, those little miniatures. Oh yeah, I gave them away as little awards for I thought that emulated those traits the most at the end of my year. And he's the only guy I, I knew that would have gotten them all if, uh, if he was around. Uh, and so perfect, probably not. Uh, as perfect as you can get, yeah. And, and, and I, masonry, I think, helped him, but I don't, I mean, he came in like that. So it happens. And, and when you lose them, you really realize what it is to be an actual Mason. We had end of story. One of those types. A similar experience. Yeah, he's yeah. he's 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 the 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 only one I would ever call a perfect Mason. Yeah, and it's a similarly sad story. We've 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 told it on the show before, oh, but. Yeah. Yeah, the rest of us join for the bling, and we stay for the brotherhood. But very few of us are, you know, get to that perfect Ashler stage, or at least as perfect as you're ever going to get on Earth. And uh, and he was. So that bastard makes me realize that you can actually do it on Earth, and then I have to probably try harder. Screw that guy. Yeah, those those are the worst kinds. Yeah. (laughs) Damn it. Especially so. when you add in some unfortunate history and complicated life and family situations to their mix, and that just makes you feel even more, well, not up to the task. Because you're like, they, they've been through so much worse than I have. Like, what is my excuse? Mm-hmm. And it was probably the biggest thing that affected me, um, besides the, the terrible rejections I've had throughout my life, uh, which also, you know, tend to chip away at those uh, at those rough corners but um but and i was sitting there watching all these people grandmasters just everybody at his funeral and and he was he was not he wasn't even a past master he'd only been a mason for a few years uh that's how what an impact he had because he was always happy to see everybody and he was always happy to talk to everybody and he never stirred crap you know he was always approachable he was always ready to discuss and and I sat and I just looked around and I was like, would I get anywhere close to this kind of turnout at my Masonic funeral? And there's just no way. No way. Uh, it's weird how we kind of use that as a as a metric for accomplishment. And it's not, but at the same time, like if the people showed up, it's it's because you were a good person. You know, um, uh, going through life as as an armchair philosopher, um, I, you run into a lot of 
systems and how like how do you be good? Uh, right. And there's a lot of great systems out there, which I, I talk about in some other writings and everything. And uh, something that I, I wrap around actually the um, the uh, the five orders, uh, which was a symbol symbol that baffled me when I started, but that uh, I thought has become one of the more meaningful things to me. Uh, is that um, there's a lot of there's a lot of different theories on how to be good, and as I got older, I eventually have come to the uh, I believe it's the Aristotelian you know virtue ethics, where it just says how do you be good? You practice. You know, that's that's really all it comes down to. You got to keep practicing, and how do you measure how good you are? Uh, how do you, how can you tell if you're a good person? It's to be thought well of by good people. So, to, uh, yes, that the Masonic line for that, I believe, is to uh, live respected and die regretted. Oh, good one! I heard of that. I'll take it. We don't use that in your jurisdiction. No, no, and you know that's one of the weirdest things about Freemasonry is that one of our capstone different between states. That's one of my favorite lines in the uh, in a, a very prominent lecture. Yeah, uh, well, we, believe me, we might use it in a lecture, and I've just n never registered it. They they get pretty long, um, but yeah, so I don't often get tapped to do uh, long lectures, mostly because when they ask, I duck out of the room. Um, you know, I try that, and then they find me. Well, <laughs> long lectures are like my. I tried uh, hiding in a nationwide podcast, and for some reason, they keep coming at my door. <laughs> my penance in the in the craft is yeah. Um, there's that long part that nobody wants to, nobody wants to listen to, let alone deliver. Let's uh, let's call the secretary. Yeah, well, Masonry is not the only organization where you're punished for doing the best work, but it's. it's I didn't say I do the best it work. first, and we're probably doing it the best. <laughs> Harlan specifically goes out of his way to make sure he's not doing the best work. He's like top yeah. three, but he doesn't. Nobody wants to be the best. Yeah, I, I mess it up on. You got to throw a few lines on purpose, you know? Yeah, uh, like, oh, uh, what's the. Somebody give me the cue. Yeah, there's. Uh, Oh, there was a line that you used in the book, and now it now it slipped my mind. Um, oh well, yeah. I'll uh, I'll think of it later when we're talking about something completely different. That's how this usually works. I, I won't set out to learn the middle chamber lecture because I, I really wanted to learn it. I, I only made it about a third of the way through, um, <clears throat> but I was repeating it like every day to myself as much as I could, and. Um, <laughs> And I was like, if I learn this, I'm going to have to, like, swear my lodge to Masonic secrecy that they never tell anybody else that I know this lecture. <laughs> because I remember Nick would tell me, and Nick is one of the few people in the state who probably, you know, who can, who can just go around and do it. And he was like, yeah, I'll get a call, like, 30 minutes before a meeting starts in, like, Forest Lake a million miles away. It's like, hey, can you be here and do the middle chamber lecture? Right. You can't say no. And I'm like, that I don't want to be that guy. I want to learn the funeral rites. I just don't want anybody to know that I know the funeral rites. Yeah. Yes. I yes. am a terrible Freemason, which is another reason why I write these books. I'm mostly talking to myself. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I I don't meet any of my own standards, which I think is fine. At least I have standards, and I recognize that I need to do better constantly. Um, so it, it's better than the people walk around who think that they're the best thing ever. 
does. I can't. I can't do it. It's not as hard as it looks. <laughs> Just a lot of false bravado. Make it till you make it, man. Yeah. That's uh. Well, that's also a line from your book, but uh, my life philosophy. I have it on a little sticky note in my bathroom mirror. Every every morning when I'm putting a tie on, it's uh, I'm the world's shittiest lawyer, but uh, nobody needs to know that. But I'm a lawyer, so yeah. screw you, yes, guys, you plebs. Uh, I think everyone does that, or so I thought. Speaking of archaic language, Harlan, when's when when is law in general gonna get with the times here? When 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 are y'all gonna start talking like Tiki here in the book so that everybody can understand it? Um. As soon Never. as, as soon as law because school, if you did that, there wouldn't need to be lawyers. Yeah. I was gonna say, as soon as law school stops being a uh, lifelong debt commitment, and we can afford to do that, we'll we'll work on it. Hmm. You know, uh, I don't know why Latin's dead. It's 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 language with words for things that no one else has words for. So until they come up with words for them, or more more importantly, ways to connect words in ways that other languages can't. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I know what y'all are saying, but English has a lot more words than Latin. So it does. <laughs> but most of them are made up. You can't uh, you can't conjugate to connect words in in English the way you can in Latin. It it just has a way of being able to say something succinctly in two words that would take paragraphs of English to to accurately convey. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, and it's like that in a lot of things. I, I tried learning guitar starting at like sixteen, and up until like thirty-five, I was terrible at it. I just I couldn't work it out, and and even at like thirty-five, I'm like, what do all these strings do? I just don't even know. Uh, and and it didn't really matter how much I practiced. Not that I practiced loads, but uh, eventually I like watched a, a video on on like things like like the rule of fifths. So like, like if you take a string, if you take a one string and you pluck it and it's a certain note and then, and then you pluck it at the exact half mark, it's an octave. I'm like, Oh my God, that's amazing. I never knew that. And, and suddenly music made more sense once I realized how they built music. And I, I, I learned what kind of rules I could discard. Like, honestly, I have a, I, I, I play cigar box guitars now and I, I just took three of the strings. And I just threw them away. It makes a lot more sense to me now. Yeah, <laughs> so, on one string, if you want, you can. Although I'm not as good at that one, but uh, it's not, language, not language is much the same way. I, I wish we all learned more about uh, you know Greek and Latin because that teaches you how languages are built. And once you know how they're built, you're much more able to utilize them. And that's fine. But how do you make the information approachable to people who don't care about how the language is built? To well, you don't. You don't learn Latin. Because the minimum. If okay. I knew more about how languages were built and, and and if I had a better vocabulary, I probably wouldn't write books the way I do. So, uh, you know, I make well, it. Well, you, well, I'm thinking you know, about it. Sorry. You would start going down that stuffy path that Bruce was talking about, where you start speaking in ways that aren't targeted you, at you don't want to do that at the local vernacular. Which, yeah, you, there's enough other authors who've attempted to do that in Masonic circles. So thank you for being different. Yeah, I'm a tech writer by training, so my whole style is to um, make things more understandable for dumber and dumber audiences. 
Whereas my wife went the academic route, and at a certain point, if you're if you're surrounded by enough academic uh, language, you can't you forget how to speak like a normal person. You just you can't do it. You know, like I could write something that, like literally yeah. a third grader could understand, but you could give it to a college professor, you just won't even understand it because it's too. It's on a completely. Yeah, I've I've been known to have that disease. It's a feature, yeah. not a bug, I think. So, uh, well, it depends on which way you're talking about. <laughs> I, I sometimes have to be reminded to speak differently in different circles. In fact, I think we had a whole stream of like eight episodes of this very podcast because I used the word agrarian when I meant to say <laughs> sticks one night. <laughs> That's what we keep you around for. We gotta class up the joint, Harlan. That's that's right. Yeah. I'm just here to look good. It's you, a joke. You're doing so well, Bruce. That's why we can't turn the camera on for you because right. we'd have to charge. <laughs> <laughs> we have to upload this directly to Pornhub. <laughs> it would get more hits that way. Harlan, that's a good idea. Can we do that? <laughs> I mean, I'm up for, for anything to promote the brand, Bruce. I, I thought we were going to do that uh, do that calendar. Uh, yeah. the, the men of After Lodge? Yes. <laughs> we have a certain Australian listener who's been <clears throat> for uh, at least 18 months now. He would only buy it if they were all John, though. <laughs> I, I have to go for it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of anything creative that tries things from a different angle. I, we got uh, one of my, one of my DRs, he, in his lodge, they tried to, they tried their darndest to get a uh, burlesque show fundraiser, you know, because who wants to make more pancakes? And, you know, eventually, I think, I don't know that they ever got it going because I, I think it probably was finally stomped out, not by Grand Lodge, uh, but by, you know, the crotchety old past masters in the, in the lodge that we're running into the ground anyway, but um, you just you got to get you got to get past uh, those guys. Um, but yeah, I like I I, I do uh, this uh, monthly newsletter that uh, I do. It's it's distributed to like everybody in my grand lodge, which is like amazing. At least they all have access to it. Uh, the, and uh, it's called the Practicing Freemason, and it, and I, in almost every issue, I, I try to come up with some kind of just innovative concept that enriches brotherhood. And because I'm an idea guy, I don't like, I'm not a follow through guy, Lord knows. I don't actually do these things. <laughs> if you say, hey, you put you in charge of that, Matt, I'll be like, nah, nah, I'm fine. But I love coming up with the concepts and, uh, and seeing them done. And I, I think this is kind of harkens back to every lodge is different and we need to embrace that. We need to embrace that kind of diversity and personality because as we move forward into a world that we don't really understand what it's going to look like, how much of this world's going to be online, how much of it's going to be in person, how much should we retain from our traditions and how much needs to be changed. I, I think flexibility has got to be, key we have to give people space to try things and everybody's like well you can't innovate you know as a mason well first of all the stuff's full of innovations so 
stop it. But second, <clears throat> well, I guess I'll just die. You know, I mean, I mean that's, honestly, I think that's the hardest part about Freemasonry. If you're a person who's trying to help move or at least make the craft more accessible to to new people, is you have to figure out what to keep and what to not update but refresh. Yeah, yeah. I came up with four personality types. It's sort of based off of uh, something else that I saw in, in uh, corporate life about the, the three personalities that you need to make any startup work, and and I expanded it because we all need people who actually roll up their sleeves. But there's, uh, as I put it up on my up on up on practicalfreemasonry.com. If anyone wants to take a look at it, it's called the G Men, and it's the four personalities any lodge needs to thrive. And the four personalities that that they don't need, because each one sort of has a foil, you know, where you you know you you get uh, go getters and uh, and grunts and uh, and just people who just innovate and everything, and and then you get the people who want to just I don't know what it comes to, but it, they just want to do everything they can to make sure that nothing slightly new happens. They're right, right. <laughs> They are they are the the old stodges who will make sure everything stays old. Yeah, and it's okay to have a balance because some people are dedicated to to playing it safe, and some people uh, are dedicated to playing it fast and loose. That's more my cup of tea. But you have to have both. You have to have both. Yeah, absolutely. But when when one uh, gets larger than it, and it's honestly usually the safe people who who get larger than you probably need. Although I have seen it go the other way. I've seen lodges just explode for being too rebellious and too on the edge. Uh, but, you know, when you're like, okay, there's a there's a safe person who's running the place. There's next three or four people in line are safe people. This lodge is not going to go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> it's just going to just gonna eventually just... It's going to grow old and die. Yeah. Uh, real quick, you mentioned the website. I wanted to say, because I don't think you've said it yet, you do a uh, a monthly lecture on there that people can subscribe to. Subscribe to your Patreon, I believe it is. You have a Patreon on... I do have a Patreon. Patreon.com uh, slash Mac Gallagher. Um, but you can get there through practicalfreemasonry.com. It is, a, it is a monthly newsletter. Again, it's called The Practicing Freemason. And in there, there is there's a lecture. It's a It's a... There, we have some other things, just like usually book recommendations and uh, coffee talk kind of talking points. Because, like you guys, I think the most valuable thing is discussion. If if you're if you're all racing to your car after the meeting, wow, you are just doing it. You're just shooting yourself. I mean, some lodges can do it, I suppose, but no, no thanks. Uh, but yeah, the the lecture again. Each one is designed to be applicable to uh, their they're fairly professional and. Uh, and you could uh, anyone who who's interested can certainly join the Patreon. You get the newsletter free at the at the one dollar mark. I guess that's not free, then, but you know, uh, it's it, pretty close. It's sent out for it's, yeah. It's 2020. Uh, a dollar is is pretty much free. I kicked around on there earlier. There's there's some good stuff on there. There is some good stuff on there. It's I'm proud of it all. Um, and like I said, it's it's it, you can also sign up. You, you can also entire Grand Lodges can do it too. Uh, my my Grand Lodge again. Uh, subscribe. They, to you 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 send them a copy of the lecture or something like that. 
how, how it works, well, it's, uh, it's, again, it's the whole newsletter. It's not just a lecture. It's about two or three or four pages, depending on how I feel that day, of all sorts of uh, different things. But always always one fantastic lecture. Um, and <clears throat> I put it out there, and if and Grand Lodges who subscribe essentially have the rights to distribute it in any way they see fit. I, you know, the logistics of actually sending it to every person is, like, impossible. But, um, right. but it's great. You know, it's... Uh, you know, a lot of lodges are surprised to learn that they get a copy of the Short Talk Bulletin every month. Harley, did you know this? Uh, I do. I actually get like three copies of it every oh, month because they, they send it. I guess they don't update their info that regularly. Yeah. So I was on our Grand Lodges Education Committee like four years ago, and I still get Short Talks addressed to me at the Education Committee as the uh, as one of the grand master's deputies, and then as my lodge secretary, and they all come on the same day to the same box every month, addressed to the same person but with different titles. Do you guys ever do the lectures in them for educational purposes? Uh, we don't. I usually distribute them around the craft. Uh, like during lodge, I, I mentioned I have them, and then guys come up and take them. Uh, I don't actually know how often that sparks yeah. conversations out in the dining room, but. I it, that's more than a lot of lodges do. I mean, I, I know some that never even leave the secretary's house. You know, they they it's and every lodge pays for it, whether they like to or not. Which uh, there's there's nothing wrong with the short talk bulletin. I, I, they even published one of my pieces recently. Uh, uh, although I I am much more focused on specific actionable. Um, lectures that actually tell people to do things <laughs> and not just uh not just you know like I, I think a lot of masonic education and it usually comes down to hey here's george washington and all the cool things he did you know uh, he was amazing and that's about it <laughs> and uh, it's like i said it, that doesn't work for me not not for me um so this is what we do and, and like i said anyone can subscribe it's a dollar a month there are higher tiers for more and more fun goodies um and and if you can twist your uh, grand lodge's arm to do it there's precedent like i said grand lodge of minnesota does do it and uh they can distribute it physically by email anything you really want with it and what i really want to see is though i want i want to i want to hear about people who are actually giving the lectures that's the thing about about masonic education is that you hear a lot of people complaining that they want more Masonic education, but they don't want more Masonic education. They want to complain about more Masonic education. Because <laughs> when you give when you, when you give people a chance, you, you find you, you don't give a lot. I, I was talking to our secretary, our grand secretary, you know, something I didn't even know. We offer a complimentary copy of Freemasonry for Dummies to every Master Mason, you know, whose lodge requests it. I have never seen this, <laughs> but they're budgeted for it. And I think a lot of jurisdictions are probably the same. So when people talk about how Grand Lodges are not facilitating education, I mean, that that's going to vary per jurisdiction, obviously, but a lot are trying. Uh, you got to, you got to, you got to stand up there and deliver, you know, do something. Hmm. And this one, you can certainly people, if you do sign up to that newsletter, uh, you do have the rights to print it out as many copies as you want and distribute it by hand to your lodge too. So one dollar, you can get everybody. If you want to absorb printing costs, you can certainly give one to every every mason that you that you have. 
in your brother in your lodge. It's a great resource. So I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good stuff there. Hmm. Uh, Harlan. So, uh, where's the best place to buy your buy your book, Matt? Yeah. I would say the best place is just to go up practicalfreemasonry.com, click the books link. Uh, the, the brickyard will be imaged there. It clicks right, it links, it should link right to the Amazon page, but it is available certainly on Amazon. Uh, that is probably the only place it is currently available because I'm a lazy publicist. But uh, yeah, I think it's priced at uh, $7.99, $6.99. I don't know these things. Uh, worth it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a great book. It's worth it. And I just, I just got a great review. Is that your personal opinion? No, yeah, dude, I read it. That's pretty good, you know. Um, I, I know I got a, I got a fun review today, and, and, and off Midnight Freemasons, uh, that was unexpected. And uh, and I wanted to point to the the best part at the last thing where Adam Thayer says, "And I'm going to buy a, multiple copies to hand out." And I encourage every lodge secretary to look into getting some for their lodge. Yeah, that's the way to go, right there. Multiple copies. We'll make it up in bulk. Like uh, we need to a few for our lodge. I think. I can I can think of a few uh, fellows who who need to read this anyway. If you want, you can just stick a big chain on it and tie it to the to the front door. You know, I have to. Uh, I donated a sizable collection of my books when I had to downsize when my son was born uh, to the lodge library. And I had a nice loaner system going on, and well, it it didn't make it through the first cycle, and now I don't know where half those books are. Paying <laughs> it forward, Arlen. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping someone's actually enjoying them instead of using them as uh, you know bathroom decor, like we do with our uh, like we do with our Grand Lodge books. I am also bad at borrowing books, which is why I, I designed this hopefully to just give away. So. I highly encourage people to look into that, um, or at least have a good copy for your lodge and flip through it. I mean, every every lodge should at least think about having some kind of uh, some kind of committee on retention or membership. I tend to think retention is a more important thing than uh, than than just trying to get people through the door. Um, I did a lot of uh, good writing, I think, on retention that uh, people tend not to think about uh, in the right manners. Um, so. So knowing the direction that you're going to be going and the talking points to have, an elevator speech for all these things, it's just it just better arms you for, for that. And like I said, it gives you snappy answers to stupid questions about women in clandestine lodges and things like that. Yeah, I like it. You did a fantastic job there, brother Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, I want to mention real quick, I was flipping right through it just now um, to see if there was anything I hadn't mentioned yet. Uh, I like the part where you talk about if anybody or anybody who's maybe looking for certain things should join a different organization. Oh, yeah. Why not to be a Freemason? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, actually, that was, uh, that was based on a, on a rather viral article i wrote like eight years ago why you shouldn't be a freemason and um i remember that we talked about that on the show so if you recognize it i didn't steal it i wrote it you know, many like people have stolen it since then you know, that's funny that's funny that you say that because i was thinking nick johnson wrote it 
He did not. Nick Johnson has nothing to say about Freemasonry. He's a charlatan. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like, again, this is like five years ago, six years ago. I don't I yeah. have a poor memory, apparently. No, no, that was me. I, uh, um, my apologies. That's no problem. Uh, and, yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a really, it's a really uh, clickbaity title to, uh, to a very uh, serious concept. So many people join Freemasonry for the wrong reasons. They're looking for business ties. They're looking for all sorts of even even good reasons, like they're looking for a local service organization. Yeah, you can find lodges that are great local service organizations. That is not the point of Freemasonry. Um, so it's going to be hit and miss. Uh, if you're hoping to get a lot of business ties, man, join the Rotary. That's the entire point of the Rotary. Right. You know, join the Lions Club. That's the entire point of the Lions Club is to do uh, service over self. You know, if you want to kick back with beers, join the Elks Club. <laughs> talking to a local Elks Club, you know, they're they're looking for a new place uh, because they're kind of getting jerked around by their landlord. And we showed them our building, and the thing is, we just you know we can't get a liquor license. It's just like it's not even a thing, you know, for our lodges in our state. So. But man, they 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 just got a full service bar wherever they go. I mean, that's it's masonry is a. I think we're probably the best working class philosophical organization on earth. But uh, it's sort of like we have a we have a a tall skill stack of things we're good at, but we're not the best in any one thing, and that's why we're so appealing and successful comparatively but you can still find all these other organizations just go there you know, and i encourage you I, I i love elks and i love the lions the masons in my particular hometown don't do as much as i'd like to see them i don't so why i didn't actually join that lodge i think it, i think it was my misconception uh, of it because i wasn't aware that masons weren't a service organization so whenever i walked around town and i was like this bench um, donated by the JCs. This uh, there's a there's a stone tablet here. That's, you know that's dedicated to the local Lions Club and everything. Like, I never see the Masons do anything. They they suck. It's not the point. It's not their point. It's not their. It's not you know. And once you get that, you realize that these groups aren't really carbon copies of each other. They you know a lot of them are based on Freemasonry, but they all do. <laughs> They all do the same thing. Okay, thanks. Someone let in all the dogs. <laughs> One second. Hello, dogs. Hello, dogs. The show. Noted there was no uh, no mention of the Odd Fellows. <laughs> well, that's because he only listed non Masonic entities, Harlan. I see what you did. So, um, yeah, that's. I mean, there's there's other uh, the the VFW and the American Legion post are really prominent amongst local Masons. Oddfellows, yeah. You know, I when I when I was first looking at things, I looked into the Oddfellows and I just couldn't find them, and that's sad. Um, they just they have such a small footprint in my state anymore, and I think they let in girls at some point, and I'm like, ew, girls, yuck. So, um. But you know, I think why one of, one of the reasons Freemasonry has uh, thrived relatively to a lot of groups like the Odd Fellows, 
and uh, the Foresters and everything, is that uh, those organizations were eventually replaced by insurance companies. You know, they, they were designed for people to get together and have mutual benefit and to watch out for each other back before we had things like social security and insurance companies. At least that's far as far as I could tell. Um, so you don't get that as much, and that's why I think Freemasons take such a hit from uh, from the internet or TV. You know, because we were always a place that was more designed to be social, yes, educational, yes, you know, fraternal, um, ritualistic. Again, not the best at any of these things, I think, but the best at all of them if you can find a place that does them all and um and there's no there's nothing that has come to replace us directly it's because i think that we have such a broad uh skill set that we that that's why we stay around when other places they just uh, they they're no longer needed my take I like it. Yeah. Good. Well, <clears throat> suppose we've uh, run out of clever things to say. <laughs> I can come up with clever things all night. This is what I do. But I was going to say, I, I, coincidentally, I'm going to I'm going to stop right now because I wouldn't want to, you know, <laughs> want to embarrass you. You got another book to write, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll get around to that. You want to? You don't want to blow it all here on the After Lodge podcast. Well, you're going to have me back when I come up with my next book? Of course. Of course. Yeah, for sure. Good. Hopefully John will be on that one. <laughs> that punk. Right? He's been like a third of our game. His baseball. Seven. I don't even know people went to baseball games right now. Ew. I thought it was like fake cardboard cutouts in the stands. Right? Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of weird things that they're doing. Like they're, they're pumping in. They're pumping in cheers. I heard something that they wanted to do where, where you could cheer at home and <laughs> would somehow be translated to like a cheer track at the stadium. So, so it wouldn't be like directly 20,000 people a recording of you cheering. It would, it would like live feed of the speaker. Like the more you applaud at home in your living room, the more the generic cheer track goes up at the stadium. And I'm like, you guys. Just, just go, just go to the stadium and have everyone's feet apart, please. That's ridiculous. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, so thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, you. You're like our 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 longtime listener. You are welcome anytime. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I have nothing really to do, so. Feel free to call oh. me. Um, yeah, and uh, just you know, again, websites uh, practicalfreemasonry.com. You can reach me at Matt at practicalfreemasonry.com if you want to yell at me about something. Uh, you can go to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Matt Gallagher. It has an H in it. Uh, and the book, again, is called Welcome to the Brickyard, available at Amazon.com or off my website. Thank you so much. A practical yes. Freemasonry printer, and that is what it is. Matt, you are, uh, of course, welcome back anytime. You don't have to wait till you finish your next book. Just, uh, you know, shoot us an email. Ah, killer. You got the yeah. long-term listeners. All righty. Take that, Masonic Roundtable. 
Oh, man, I, don't, I don't think we have any guns left to be starting shit again. <laughs> I'm sorry, I haven't been paying. I haven't been paying attention to. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Afterlife <laughs> Podcast. Uh, you can find the show notes for this or any previously published episode at www.afterlodge.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at Afterlodge. Shoot us an email at afterlodge at gmail.com. Hang out with me on IRC at irc.snoonet.org, pound sign Freemasonry. And uh, until next week, brothers, take some time, check out Matt's book, uh, shoot him an email, let him know what you thought, and we will see you after Lodge next time. Later. Thanks, Margaret. Margaret.